Hey everyone, this is Justin. Thanks for tuning in. Serving Leaders Ministries exists to revive, restore, and resource ministry leaders and their families by being mission-focused, wholehearted, grace-saturated, and gospel-rooted. Netzer's mission is to connect, strengthen, and collaboratively mobilize the regional church for the gospel and glory of Jesus. In the first part of this two-part interview, we talk about how leaders wound churches, how churches wound pastors, and the toxic patterns we can trap ourselves in. Welcome back to The Quiet Reformation. I am excited today because we have a collaborative effort today. Today on the podcast, not only do we have Tim Deering, the regular from Netzer. Hey there. But we also have Dave Wiedis from Serving Leaders Ministries. Thanks so much for having me, Justin. Good to see you, Tim. You too, Dave. Glad to be on the call with you. Because there's going to be different people that are in our circles, people that aren't in our ministry lives or social lives, I wanted to get some background from each of you. Could each of you just share briefly about what is the the heart behind the organizations you helped oversee and what led you, what were maybe some catalytic moments that led you to establish these ministries? Thanks, Justin. The heart behind Serving Leaders Ministries really is to provide pastoral care, really comprehensive pastoral care to people who are in ministry. We want to invest in people's lives, leaders' lives, so that they're healthy and they can lead healthy churches. I think every every ministry leader knows the temptations and the pressures that are encountered in ministry. I have personally seen over the many 50 years I've been walking with the Lord, many pastors fall, and I've seen the devastation that results from ministry leader failure. And so God put on my heart 15 years ago plus to say, uh, wouldn't it be be strategic to come alongside ministry leaders before they fall and to avoid the devastation that does result? We try to do preventative work, although we also do a lot of triage. But the best stories that we, we say, the best stories are the ones that are not told because the problems or the issues that could undermine ministry leaders are caught early. That's the heart behind it. At Netzer, what we work to do is facilitate regional expressions of the church. In other words, we work for unity in the body of Christ. Dave is talking about it serving leaders. They're providing pastoral care for ministry leaders. We talk about providing church for church leaders. We're kind of like small groups in the regional church and serving leaders provide some of the pastoral care. They're pastors of congregational care and we are pastors of small groups and outreach. We do collaborative outreach as well. So we work at Unity in the Body of Christ, bringing ministry leaders together to pray together, support one another, and then collaborate in ministry for the sake of the gospel. And when things escalate, we send them over to Dave and, and to his team and they do a great job. And, and, you know, it's interesting, Tim, as you talk about unity in the body of Christ, you know, serving leaders does more than just counseling. We do a lot of mediation work in the past. Gosh, in the past year, I've done 16 or 17 mediations, many of which are between elders and elders or pastors and elder, et cetera, or people in the church. Many, many Christians don't follow Matthew 18 or don't even have the, you know, they abandon each other when there's a problem. And we try to help mend some of those relational ruptures uh, by doing mediations. Yeah. And you do a great job of that. We've watched that time and again, where there's been an intense situation and serving leaders has really stepped in to help navigate 
the situation. And, and that preventative care that serving leaders does is great too. I mean, I know there's equipping workshops that Dave uh, puts on to really help pastors think through ahead of time, how to be in a healthy situation um, and how to remain healthy as leaders. And in some of those places, we have some overlap. We do some equipping of the church and spiritual health assessments for congregations and that sort of thing. So we dovetail, we work together. And when there's things that uh, we feel like, you know, this is going to be better served by these guys. Um, it's uh, very similar to, I would say, on a, on a staff team in a church, you have different people who are working for the same overarching goals in the church, but there's a specific emphasis of the different uh, staff persons. And you kind of say, I think this one's for you guys, or this one's for you, this is for us. And so that's kind of how we work across the regional church together. As we are talking today about healthy leaders and healthy churches and how they need one another, if we kind of take the eagle eye view, the 30,000 foot view, in each of your areas that you engage in, what are you seeing as the current state of the church? And where do you feel like pastors and leaders are as they look out over their ministry? There's a lot of you know national numbers around this right now. And so if anybody wanted to research the numbers on how pastors are thinking about ministry, a lot of people thought that pastors were leaving the ministry in droves during COVID, which turned out not to be the case. Uh, what did turn out to be the case was that there was many, many pastors who wished that they could leave the ministry and were trying to find ways to leave the ministry, but didn't know how to and still financially sustain. That's perhaps a bigger problem because then you have a bunch of pastors who are in their position, but not wanting to be in their position, which is pretty dangerous. The state of the church, there's a couple things that I see. One is that everybody knows the church is in decline in general. There is, I will say, an overall, if one benchmark is unity, and of course we measure unity, there is more openness to unity in the church than there was a decade ago. For me, that means that God's at work in the church in really positive ways. There is also, I would say, less overall of a missional work happening. And so when it comes to the outreach side of things, we're, and part of that has to do with the pandemic, there's just been a kind of everyone drawing in and, and feeling overwhelmed. So those are two things about the church, two observations and ministry leaders. We both see a number of ministry leaders who are feeling kind of overwhelmed and looking for a way out. However, those who have healthy practices and those who have community, I would say have doubled down and said, this is a moment where God can do something. And it is. And so we've seen some encouraging places where leaders have really been resilient. Hey, this is a tough time for everyone. How can the church be a blessing to those who are walking through a tough time? So that's some of the stuff that I'm seeing from our perspective. How about you, Dave? Yeah, I think I'm seeing the same thing. I think capacity and resilience are words that I think about. I do think that pastors are, are recovering from COVID and the, the exhaustion and burnout and discouragement that has taken place. But I think many pastors are still in the midst of that. They're exhausted and they're in many cases still dealing with some of the traumas of COVID, of their people and themselves. I think pastors generally are overloaded by their own needs, their family's needs and the congregational needs. And it's been a hard time. I, I, I do think that uh, there's a quote from Christianity Today I read recently where it says the pulpits are empty and the pastors left in the pulpits are empty. And so many people are dealing with some of the struggles that, that arose, came up, that was revealed by COVID. Maybe it, didn't, it wasn't caused by it, but re some of the weaknesses were revealed. Serving Leaders has done three seminars on lessons learned from COVID. 
We've done it in three different geographic locations where we had a number of pastors come. And I think one of the things that we'd say is many people have not taken the time to really process their losses and the lessons learned. And we had some rich times where people were really just trying to voice that despite the fact that we were really through it at this time. Dave, in your care for leaders, aside from COVID, which was like an accelerator of certain things, over the years, how have you seen some common points of pain or struggle, or maybe even wounds that were inflicted on leaders from their people, maybe from a cultural mindset, maybe the institution of uh, how certain churches function? I would say, first of all, just coming out of COVID, I I have worked with some churches where uh, I worked with one pastor who lost his church as a result of COVID because the elders took one approach to it and the and the pastor was taking a separate approach. And I'm actually working with some some churches right now doing mediations as a result of the difference of, you know, the political philosophy, the and the and the, the medical issues. I think generally, though, I think there's high demands, you know, churches wound or people in churches or elders wound their pastors when there's high demands and expectations for the pastor to do and be everything. I think about that as an external source of wounds. I think there's an unspoken theology in some churches that that is God never sleeps and neither should my pastor, (laughs) even though the fact that God rested on on the seventh day. But I think many pastors, for one reason or another, have struggled to have a healthy rhythm of Sabbath. And because of the nonstop nature of the job, they just keep going and going. Now, that's the external sources. Let me just comment, I think, on internal sources of pain. There obviously is a unique spiritual weight on pastors that can be crushing if they don't stay in intimate relationship with the one who's called them into uh, ministry in the first place. I think a lot of pastors struggle with the, the yokes that are placed upon them. Another, another area that I think is an internal source of pain that I see a lot from our practice is this, that many pastors unknowingly carry their own re- unrecognized, unconscious needs and goals and motives into ministry, i.e. the need for approval, impact, productivity, meaning and purpose, etc. And they get crushed or disappointed when the veil is lifted. And when we, you know, we think we're doing ministry for the glory of God, when sometimes it turns out to be our own stuff. What happens at serving leaders is pastors come in and we start to uncover what's really going on in the heart and try to do that healing work of really understanding that. Tim, I want to flip that over to you then. Obviously, people, structures, cultural norms can affect the pastor but also, just like Dave was saying, there's also some unhealthiness, unfortunately, in leaders and in pastors. How have you seen unhealthy leaders, even, even if it's unintentional, hurt the church community, hurt the broader body of Christ that they're called to shepherd? I just want to agree with a lot of what Dave said there, because I think when he was talking about those internal pressures, they're really pretty much the same things that you're talking about there. A, a, a few of the things that I'll just put my own language around, but they're the same basic things that Dave's talking about. When we're compensating for our insecurities in leadership, where we're looking for a sense of significance in order to feel legitimate, so then we get into performance-based legitimacy, that puts us in a position where we have to achieve, we have to hit certain benchmarks in order to feel okay about ourselves and to compensate for insecurities. 
when our identity and our, and our sense of legitimacy isn't completely rooted in the gospel and in Christ, we have that driving force. And of course, that's not just true for pastors. That's true for humans all across the board, right? And we're basically what we're saying in that is that pastors are human too, just because we're people of faith and have solid view of scriptures and, and, and that sort of thing doesn't exempt us as pastors from being in that place where we're leading out of those motivations. And that can be really dangerous for us and for the church. I think also it puts us in a place where when Dave's talking about, we're taking that yoke on that Christ is saying, he's got a yoke that's easy and a burden that's light. But when we are taking the yoke on that, that we're agreeing with expectations put on us that are too high because we want a approval of people and then we got to find a way, right? So then we start leading from skills instead of leading from prayer. We start leading from momentum instead of leading from conviction. And we start leading in the fear of man instead of the fear of God. And that really puts us in a place where now our boss is the people who we serve instead of God being our boss. And we're not leading them anywhere. We're just doing what they ask us to do, which isn't spiritual leadership, right? And it doesn't help them. It doesn't help us. And it becomes a cycle where they're never going to feel spiritually really led. And we're never going to feel real approval. And it becomes a cycle that can be really toxic. Looking back, would you guys be willing maybe to share just personally what has been a struggle in your life that you're now helping other people with in the church? What has been something that you've dealt with in your past? Because none of us are off the grid as far as being tempted in this stuff. I'll tell you, the first thing that comes to my mind is comparison, competition and comparison and jealousy of other people's gifts. So I see somebody who preaches in a certain way or is able to communicate and immediately something arises in me, my own insecurity that, ah, gosh, I don't live up to what he can do. That's amazing what he does. What's wrong with me? And um, so I've struggled with that particular thing. The saving grace for me has been the truth that God called me to be me and not Tim or me and not Tim Keller. (laughs) You know, and so he's given me certain gifts that I can walk in and really develop, but I'm not supposed to be all these other people that I admire. And so that, you know, how it says love is not jealous. I'm not loving others well if I'm jealous of them or not accepting that God didn't make me an opera singer. He made me a counselor. He made me a lawyer, but he didn't make me X, Y, Z. So that's one personal struggle that I've uh, that I've I've had. That's so good, Dave. Thank you. And I think when we're working at unity in the church, it's also that kind of thing is a kryptonite for us, right? Particularly when when pastors are, we say we want unity in the church, but then we're comparing with one another all the time and really competing and that sort of thing. I know for me, another place, I struggle with the same thing that Dave just talked about. Another one for me is, you know, basic gospel 
gospel 101 greatest miracle that ever happened on earth was that God forgave us through the cross, you know, is uh, th there's this great forgiveness, but forgiveness is a thing that, that I struggle with when I feel like I've been betrayed or when I feel like there's been, we're trying to play ball and we're trying to care for one another, but then someone kind of undercuts you, then it's really hard to have trust again. And when we don't have trust, man, it's a tough place to minister from when we don't have trust. And I think trust can only be, we can only start to rebuild trust when we've been hurt, if we're willing to forgive. And, and that's just such a, a, a tough thing to walk in. But I struggle with that when, when I feel like I've really been kind of taken advantage of or anything like that, just like kind of holding on to that or just like letting it be kind of like a low level assumption now about other people that just kind of sits there instead of doing the hard work of really processing that either internally or with those people and really processing with them. So that's, a, that's one I struggle with. And if I could just piggyback on that, Tim, because I think it's so important for pastors, um, the idea of forgiveness or the idea of the wounding that comes from relational dynamics, you know, and I think one of the, one of the sources of wounding that happens is our failure or our inability to process relational wounds. Somebody offends me or somebody betrays me. What do we do with that? Ministry is all about relationships. Relationships are messy and painful. People are broken and wounded. And so much pain comes from the conflict of, and conflictual ruptures that take place. So if a pastor isn't able to really process the pain that he's going through, that becomes the whole area uh, of struggle. My experience in this is like you were saying, when we're in that place of jealousy or competition, that, that works to keep us from being collaborative. But then when we try to be collaborative and then there's a wound, then the gospels, I mean, the, the gospel assumes that we're going to be broken, right? The gospel's there because it's, we are broken. We're going to hurt one another. And so even in like Ephesians four, the big text on unity in the church, that in John 17, the idea being be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. And like, what makes it possible for us to be unified? Not that we're going to get it right, but when we get it wrong, that we've been given this gift that can help us process that. And that's what the Lord's table is really about that regular practice of the Lord's table, remembering, oh man, I got to forgive this person. You know, I can't go back to the altar and receive forgiveness without realizing like, okay, there's something here about my own forgiveness. And, and that's a, that's a big deal. Dave, you mentioned a couple minutes ago, just about pastors and leaders needing to do some internal work. Otherwise it's going to, it's going to come back to bite them. What would you see as a few marks in a leader's life that could potentially lead to toxic leadership? I, I can think of a number of factors or marks in a leader's life. First, if you're surrounded by people who only praise and affirm you and don't provide honest feedback to you, either because you don't invite it or worse, because you've set up a system whereby people don't feel safe or free to give you the feedback. I mean, that would be a mark of I need I need you to get off the podcast right now. I don't approve of <laughs> that one. Um, a second one, if you care more about pro productivity and activity of your staff and church and not as much about true, deep spiritual formation and character and integrity formation, that's a that's a mark. And honestly, you know, from where I sit, I see a number of pastors who are, you know, I'll just put it crassly. They are essentially using their staff and congregation 
rather than shepherding them. And they're using them for their own gratification in a sense, their own ego building, their own, their own insecurity that sets them up to need to, to quote, succeed with numbers or programs, et cetera. So that would be another mark. Wow. Those are really good, Dave. I really appreciate on both sides of that. I know that for myself, the, the first one, it took me a while in ministry to come to realize how important it was to feel those tensions. And it, and it really came from ignoring those tensions or trying to get those kind of people out of my life and then dealing with the consequences of not listening to those people and then realizing, oh my goodness, they knew exactly what they were talking about all along and I wasn't listening to them and realizing if I want to save myself from long-term pain, even if I'm completely selfish, if I want to be productive in the long run and I, and I want to save myself from pain, I still need people in my life who are going to protect me in this way, even if it's not about loving them. I just need it even for myself, you know? A rebuke goes deeper into a wise man than a hundred blows into a fool. I, I'll never forget back when I was practicing law, a partner in the firm was doing my review. And basically he said, Dave, one of the things that I see in you is arrogance. And it was like, he punched me in the nose. And maybe I would have rather him say, yeah, punch me in the nose than say that. But I'll tell you what, he loved me enough to reflect that back to me. And it was, it was life-changing for me. It really was. That's awesome. I have a story like that too, of a boss who really spoke truth into my life. And it's really awesome when someone's willing to do that. Justin, I have a couple other factors of, of you know, toxic marks of toxic leadership. Uh, another one is being controlling and manipulative, an over-involvement in controlling other people's decisions, an unhealthy desire to provide excessive direction in, in someone's life. That can be, that's a, that's a mark, unhealthy in the leader and a, an unhealthy dynamic that is being perpetuated into the congregation. Being deceptive, a tendency to lie to others or to yourself, a tendency to shade the truth. You know, I think the mark of a, of a believer is one who loves the truth. We need to be conscient, conscious of the fact that the truth sometimes hurts, but, but not to be in denial about that. If we're lying to others or shading things, that's a mark that there's unhealthiness there. Dave, how often do you see that when that kind of deception is happening, that a leader's fully aware of that? Do you think that most of the time when that's happening, leaders are, are very aware of that? Or do you think it's kind of become like a, their conscience has kind of been numbed and they're not really even aware of their function? That What's that look like most of the time for you? Yeah, that's a great question, Tim. I don't know the answer to that. I, do, I know people who, I know pastors in very powerful positions who are liars, who've lied to me straight to my face and lied to congregations. Whether they know it or not, I mean, has their conscience been so seared that they really don't know it? I don't know. It sure seems like in some cases, you know, look, the Holy Spirit lives in us and he pricks us when we lie, when we shade the truth. And I, I would encourage pastors to pray a, a prayer that says, Lord, make me exquisitely sensitive to the truth. Don't let me shade the truth, because if I'm shading the truth, there's a reason why I'm doing that. And it's an, typically an unhealthy, unhealthy reason for that. A couple other, couple other things that I've seen. If you have very few close intimate relationships 
or you know you you look like you have a superficiality of vulnerableness and openness to others you give that appearance but in fact you have a barrier and there's this barrier that keeps people from you um, which again keeps people from being able to give you feedback or you turn constructive criticism back on the person those are those are marks of toxicity that i think are things to pay attention to usually this stuff comes up slowly in more subtle ways and then the, if you if you engage in this behavior these kind of behaviors they grow so if you notice the tendency and we all are sinful and we all have this stuff look for the tendency invite people's reflections and honest feedback into your life and that will help you not go down the road of being a toxic leader thanks so much for for that dave i think that's a great encouragement for the people listening that's a great transition because you just named a whole bunch of bad stuff that is true that we need to be, watch out for. But then how would you, if, if somebody is hearing this and you've given language to some of the stuff that's possibly been in their heart or their mind, and they're just not now realizing, hey, there's something off in me, what would be some maybe simple principles or practices for leaders to consider how to help root their life towards healthy leadership? First and foremost, develop healthy rhythms where you cultivate intimacy with Christ. Spending time with him, developing silence, solitude as spiritual disciplines so that, that your heart is before the Lord, first and foremost. But specifically in answer to your question, Justin, if you feel like you're seeing tendencies toward you know, toxic leadership, and even if you're not, I would say for any pastor, get yourself into a counseling or coaching or mentoring relationship. Do you have a safe person or, or, or space to share your deepest, darkest secrets, to, to be able to get invite feedback into your heart and life? I was recently on my sabbatical last summer. Prior to that, I had gotten my own counselor. And I can't tell you how unbelievably productive and powerful it has been for me to look at things that I have dogged me all my life that I've not been able to get a handle on that I was actually blind to. Some of the stuff was like standing there in plain sight, but I never saw it. And it took a, a therapist to really help me go after that stuff. Who's working with you on those issues in your life? But who can you talk with about your doubts or your fears? Who challenges you to follow Christ? We can't look at the back of our own heads. And that's why I would say it's vitally important to get a particular person and or you know, a community involved in you and in your life to reflect, to be a mirror, to hold it up to you, because that's a loving thing to do. It's a wise thing to do. One of the things that I hear in almost everything that you're saying around this topic of what leads to toxic leadership and how to protect against it has to do with accountability, putting things in place in order to be able to truly see ourselves. And so then it seems like one of the primary things you're saying leads to toxicity in leadership is isolation or self-protection. I'm pulling back from the places where I can truly be seen and therefore where I can truly see myself, which in a spiritual narrative then would be, I'm allowing myself to be deceived. And then there's a storyline that's being written that's going to justify behavior that's not okay. That's great, Tim. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. Be sure to check out part two of our conversation next week. And to connect with us, 
visit servingleaders.org. Again, servingleaders.org. And also check out netzer.org. N-E-T-Z-E-R dot O-R-G.